This episode of the Getting Smart podcast is a recording of the latest Getting Smart Town Hall, Agriculture Technology Pathways. On this episode, we hear from a great panel of guests who are running a wide range of programs to help young people connect with the growing field of agriculture technology. You can check out the links to each of the organizations at the link in the show notes. I'm Mason Posh with Getting Smart, um, and today we are talking about uh, pathways to agricultural technology jobs and opportunities. We've got a quick agenda. We're going to talk about a uh, recent Green Pathways publication briefly, uh, just some trends that we've been observing that made us want to have an event focused specifically on ag tech pathways. Uh, and then we have some awesome guests that I mentioned that are going to share um, a little bit in a couple minutes here. So. Green Pathways, um, some of you may have seen this kind of circulating in our emails. Uh, this is a publication that we recently put out. Uh, I think I saw Michelle is on the call. She helped a lot with drafting this as well as um, my colleague, Marissa. Um, and this is just a really great look at different types of skills, CTE opportunities, um, community partnerships that are really driving the work towards both um, sustainable and kind of green jobs. Uh, it was sort of a response to the some of the recent movements in the Inflation Reduction Act. Um, just yesterday, actually, the White House did an executive order for American Climate Action Corps, which is pretty exciting. Um, so just a lot more in the way of clean energy jobs, um, jobs that really work towards achieving this new and different um, sustainable economy. Um, a couple trends that we've seen kind of emerging specifically with ag tech uh, one of them is definitely smart farming. So uh, a couple of different programs here, FFA is a great one. Um, they have partnerships with Microsoft to do particularly work around AI and empowering K-12 educators to give their students hands-on experience. Um, you all may have caught a podcast we did, I think a little earlier this year with the Knowledge Society. Um, one of the students on that one was sharing out a really excellent project they're doing um, regarding CRISPR and crop improvement. So a high school student thinking about how gene editing can work on crops to kind of make them more drought resistant um, and powerful. Uh, and then lastly, I dropped in a link to App Harvest um, as well, which is a really cool agreement between the Kentucky Department of Education um, and their STEM curriculum, high-tech hydroponic classrooms retrofitted from shipping containers, uh, which is just a really cool opportunity for getting students hand-on experience with gardening and growing and all of that. So um, I, I'm, the top I mentioned AI and ag, um, we've done a publication on AI recently as well, but there's just a, there's a huge opportunity here for those technologies and getting students kind of familiar with both is a really great way to kind of bridge those worlds. There's um, lots of opportunities for getting better information around yields. So, um, AI helping farmers know when to plant, what to plant, um, that kind of stuff. There's reductions in loss, so they can do better prediction of weather, stress, disease. Um, and then there's also like a, more of a regenerative agriculture capability. Um, so you can do re reduce tilling, uh, cover cropping, um, just lots of really awesome opportunities. And there's so many more people in this space. I'm seeing some come in the chat. Uh, 4-H, Tom dropped in some great, some great episodes as well. 
Another one is campus farms. So we've seen a lot of people repurposing space that they already have uh, to think about how they can either start a farm or um, kind of go through the motions to start thinking about agriculture. So Tom, I think already mentioned Odyssey STEM in the chat. Uh, they're, a, they're a school outside of Compton that focuses on organic gardening, plant-based diets, sustainability, water conservation. Um, and it's just a really inspiring place. Uh, Tom, you have any other stuff you want to shout out on them? That's the Paramount School District. Um, just credit, a lot of credit goes to Paul Hudak, who started the Muse School Garden in Calabasas, a private school, and then took it to uh, to Paramount School District here uh, at the Odyssey. Still one of the best public school garden to table examples. And we the, this picture is of students at a um at a local um farmers market they provided a lot of produce to families in need there so great stem program at odyssey and garden to table is a big part of that yeah tom you've got uh you've been to more high schools than anyone maybe but also you've probably eaten more student prepared meals than anyone i think <laughs> you you are uh, maybe the foremost expert on farm to fork seed to table as far as tasting goes do you have any other uh, any other experiences of that you want to share? Um, Arthur Ashe in um, in New Orleans is another terrific garden to the table. Um, it's part of the um, Frontline Schools and um, and all of their schools this year have um, have really good garden to table. So we appreciate that network and their commitment to getting uh, kids' hands dirty in the soil and appreciating <laughs> where food comes from. I love it. Um, another one I just want to shout out is Parkland College um, in Texas. They've done a really good job of converting a football field that was no longer being used into a full-fledged farm to kind of meet the needs of a food desert um, in their area. So they've begun supplying their community actually with some of the crops that they've harvested. So that's super cool. Um, and then the, the last kind of trend in this space that we've been paying attention to is drone technology. Um, we did a podcast a little bit ago uh, with a student named Sabrina Zong, who's doing some exciting stuff in drone technology, uh, which is just amazing. Uh, she was competing in the Earth Prize, the global competition for coming up with climate uh, solutions. And then um, St. Brain Schools in Colorado. Tom, do you want to I know you were visiting their your, their drone department. Do you want to share a little bit about what you saw there and what you heard? St. Brain is um, Longmont, Colorado, um, where Marissa was a teacher. Um, and they have uh, the Innovation Center there, which is uh, probably uh, the, the country's leading um, sort of cutting edge CTE center and uh, they, they have a great aviation program where you can learn to be a pilot or you can build and operate uh, drones two different programs side by side they have a long drone runway and a lot of the uh, drone applications that the students are working on are ag uh, related both precision um, fertilizer uh, and and also um, aerial photography so terrific high school um, drone program with with really great um, ag partnerships. Um, so today we are joined by a number of people that are wonderful in this space.
Um, we've got Abel Guzman with us. And Abel, you are with Wonderful Pathways. So um, give me a little bit of an overview of what you all do. Sure. Uh, thanks again for for inviting us and and to be part of this conversation and be able to share a little bit about the great work we're doing. So um, I am the executive director of High School Success within Wonderful Education, which is part of our uh, corporate social responsibility division of the Wonderful Company. And so um, our Wonderful Agriculture Career Prep Program specifically is essentially a three-way partnership between um, seven high schools here in the Central Valley of California three community colleges and us as the industry partner at the wonderful company. It's been around for about 10 years now. Um, and essentially what it does for students is it gives them the opportunity and the access to be able to complete an associate's degree in agriculture by high school graduation. The really cool thing is our students graduate from college. They walk the stage at the community college. And then like two weeks later, they graduate from high school. So super cool. Um, and it, it's serving students in communities that are uh, very underserved, areas where uh, degree attainment rate is in the single digits. And so to be able to do this for students is, is really le leveling out the playing field. Uh, I think where we add a lot of our value as an industry partner is um, in our work-based learning opportunities for students. So as students are completing their associate's degree, they also get 100 hours of work-based learning, career readiness uh, experience. And, and that looks like you know job shadows, internships, um, career development, uh, professional development conferences. And so, again, giving students a head start on college, but also on their careers. And so if a student decides, I want to, after I complete this program, I want to go to college and get a, an associate or a bachelor's degree, they actually get a scholarship from us uh, up to $30,000. They get college success coaching. But if the student finishes this, this associate's degree and says, you know what, I have my degree, I want to go into the workforce, they actually can, they have a guaranteed position or fellowship with the wonderful company straight out of high school, making uh, nearly $40,000 um, straight out of high school. And so, again, leveling the playing field for, for students. And so the investment that uh, Linda and Stuart Resnick, the owners of the wonderful company, uh, the investment they've made um, in now over a thousand graduates of this program. And then we have like another thousand or 1300 in the pipeline is is just kind of changing, not just the lives of these students, but the families and for generations to come here. So. Um, I know we have one of our alumni here, so I'll, I'll try not to say too much so that, you know, she can share her experience, but um, happy to, to engage in this conversation and answer any questions folks may have. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, Haiti, welcome. Thank you so much. You are the aforementioned graduate, uh, so thank you for being here. Thank you for having us again, once again, Mason. Um, so a little bit about, my, about me, sorry. I came from Mexico when I was 10 years old. So I came to California not knowing no English. Um, once I finished middle school, I thought, should I follow the traditional pathway of a high school? Or look, there's this new program that is just starting, taking college classes kind of helped me advance a little bit. Um, this is something new that was just starting around the time, around 2015. So I took the initiative and I said, okay, I'm not gonna follow my current friends and I'll take the risk to go to a high school where I don't know anybody, but follow uh, my professional career. And that's what I did. I was able to start my first summer after eighth grade with Wonderful College Prep Academy. I started taking college classes right on with Bakersfield College, which is a dual enrollment that we do. Our professors come into our uh, high school so it's very beneficial and and very a really good opportunity that I took that time. 
So we started taking college classes. Um, they give us opportunity to do job shadowing, internships, hands-on activities, work that we can do to kind of prepare us whenever we graduate. So fast forward, um, thanks to Linda and Stuart Resnick, I was able to graduate with my associate's degree in agricultural business right before I even graduated high school. Um, and then now I graduated in two years from Fresno State with my bachelor's degree in just two years. I graduated back in 2020. So now in these past three years, I've been spending my time working with Wonderful Citrus. I am a sales account executive here where I'm focusing on domestic exports and imports. That's amazing. That is such an impressive pathway. Um, I, I, that was one of the kind of the AI implications that I missed earlier too, right? Like AI with supply chain, that's going to be a huge, um, a huge part of this uh, equation as well. Um, yeah, Heidi, do you mind sharing a little bit about what those hands-on experiences were, like as you were sort of learning and um, going through your high school experience? Yeah, definitely. Uh, one of the first ones that we were able to do a project on our own uh, was to create a hydroponics. I know you were talking about that earlier. So we had the opportunity to grow our own radishes, our own lettuce, which was very fun. And um, when I have my own home, I would like to kind of grow my own garden and, and all that because everything that I learned from that, it's something that I want to take on for my future. Also internships. My first internship was my senior year. I was able to work with another sister company of ours, Wonderful Orchards, where I assisted um, the accounting and finance team and was able to kind of see where I fit in. And that's how I, I became in sales now. And then also job shadowing, getting to shadow um, teachers or even other professionals in orchards, citrus, and so on. That's so awesome. Um, Abel, I'm curious, what would you say what was like the impetus to starting this pathways program um and how did that how did those first conversations kind of happen yeah you know there's one thing i think many of us probably here in the room know is that dual enrollment has really just blown up right like we know that the benefits of dual enrollment and and the impact that has the positive impact that has on students going to college but but we were looking at this as a company and again linda stuart resnick as the owners and kind of the the, the individuals investing in these students looked at it from also a point of career readiness, not just college readiness, but career readiness. And, and uh, I was just reading a report, a workforce development report here in the Central Valley of California, and we're just barely making a dent in workforce needs when it comes to agriculture. You know, we only have, I, th I think, um, in terms of graduates of ag programs, um, we're meeting 7% of the need in terms of jobs um, that, that require a higher skill, higher knowledge, um, that that are that pay livable like really good wages here, uh, and so to be able to um, get students started on those pathways and be able to graduate and like hey to come back and and work in those jobs and take those jobs and, and you know it's it's about bringing homegrown um, a homegrown workforce and so I think we were looking at it as a company both from kind of that corporate social responsibility let's let's help um, you know again end generational poverty. But also, how do we meet the workforce need that we have as an industry, but also um, agriculture in general here in the Central Valley, which, as we all know, is, is um, you know, a, a big driver in, in agriculture and across the country and the world. Totally. But um, were there any barriers that you um, had when to getting this program started? 
Yeah, you know, and, and I had the um, kind of the, the unique experience of actually working on the community college side as well before coming um, to this side. And I think when we think about dual enrollment systems, for those of you familiar with how that works, is you're trying to align two systems that aren't meant to necessarily align, right? You have a high school system, you have a college system. And and so we were really the, the first in the area to to start this kind of early college model. And us as an industry partner coming in, I think we, we were able to serve as a convener and as a mediator and just kind of figuring out and, and saying, look, we know that systems don't align perfectly, but we as an industry are telling you, like, we need you to work together to, to you know, get more um, students prepared. And so I think that really helped to just have that industry partner at the table and to be able to say, um, this is what we need. And, and, and they got on board and they said, look, um, maybe we don't have this ag tech degree yet, but you're telling us you need it. Let's let's build it. And they literally built degrees that were industry or responsive to industry. And so um, just like any dual enrollment program, there's a lot of challenges there to, to kind of align. But um, I think what we've learned over the last 10 years is that it just takes, you know, getting the right people at the table and, and, and working out because at the end of the day, it's about the students, right? And when we get past the, the politics or the just kind of the, the bureaucracy of it all and, and we focus on the students, that's when we get these awesome results. That's such an important point. Yeah. Um, yeah, Haiti, have you seen this have an additional impact on kind of your your peers, classmates, or like fellow uh, students? Yes, definitely. I feel like now there's definitely a lot of more students after I graduated, which was back in 2018. Now, fast forward, there's a lot of students that are finishing their degrees in two to four years and coming back to work with us with wonderful sisters, other sister companies. And I feel like once we continue to work with Wonderful, it's not like, okay, you're finished there. No, we're not left alone. We still have our mentor. We still have somebody to kind of guide us. Or even if we need the support, we can always reach out and just kind of reach out for that help. I mean, for when I first started here, obviously I didn't know much about Citrus, um, how to even sell. So having the support to kind of bring that on and say, okay, what else can I do to be able to learn more about this? So I feel like Wonderful is always open to new ideas. Like I know I started uh, doing a rotational program uh, 17 months ago where I rotated through this whole company, Wonderful Citrus, and kind of spent some time with shipping, production, planning, quality control, export sales, where I'm now able to kind of bring to the table what I've been able to learn throughout all these different departments. That's so awesome. So many different opportunities for different uh, exposure to different pathways kind of within this pathway as well, which is so cool. It's just a, a fountain of opportunities. Um, Mason, if it's okay if I chime in real quick, yeah, please. Kind of from, a, from a student perspective and myself having grown up here in this community, most of our parents work in the fields, right? They're out there picking the grapes, they're out there picking the oranges. And, and that's what our students here have been used to seeing or, or when they think of agriculture, that's mm. that's what they know. And many of them themselves in the summer work out in the fields picking grapes. And so I think for, for us to be able to give students the opportunity to see what else is out there when they do job shadows, they get to meet executives at the company. They get to meet the managers at the company um, and, and they get to see the jobs that are aligned with their pathways um, yeah. or courses. I, I think that's, again, a game changer for our students in particular in the, in the Central Valley. Yeah. And yeah, Heidi, you mentioned uh, the mentor. Is that is that someone you're paired with? that sort of sticks with you or is that somebody you just sort of meet along the way that you can kind of individually 
select? How does that process work? Yeah. So they started this new program, Wonderful Mentorship, where they you apply, you say what you're looking for, if you want to be a mentor or a mentee. In this case, I wanted to be a mentee. So they matched me with a mentor who thought who they thought that would be best fit for me. So so far, it's been such a great uh, time with him and being able to learn from him and just kind of share my experience with him and him sharing his thoughts on how I can better up myself professionally. Yeah, that's so great. All right, Abel, yeah, Haiti, thank you so much. We're going to come back to you in a second here, but I'm going to go ahead and jump to our next guest, um, Rachel McLean. Hey, Rachel. Hello, how are you? I'm great. Thank you for being here. Yes, I appreciate it. Um, so um, Rachel is Chief of Staff at Collegiate Edunation. Um, we've had a couple folks from Collegiate Edunation come on to the podcast uh, before, um, but I'm just super excited to hear more about what you are up to and in particular kind of ways that you're focusing on ag and ag tech. Um, very good. So just a brief overview, uh, Collegiate Education is a technical assistance provider. We're a nonprofit that works with small and rural school districts, primarily in Texas. And so Texas is a big state. Um, you can see the districts that we're working in now serving about 21,000 students. Um, and what we uh, provide is a rural education um, model that's starts in pre-K and goes all the way through uh, two years post high school. Uh, we've got huge ambitious goals to expand um, and continue expansion. But the main thing I wanted to point out in this model, I, I saw some comments in the chat about the alignment to 4-H. Uh, we have aligned to um, the AgriLife Extension districts across the state. And we have a really strong partnership with Texas A&M as the land grant in Texas. Uh, to provide a lot of research opportunities and support opportunities to our students in these rural districts. Um, and so we're really developing more of a rural economic model as opposed to a rural education model. Mm -hmm. um, and then because all of these schools are in uh, rural areas, obviously agriculture is um, a huge workforce need and driver. And so we build a lot of programs of study to uh, meet those demands. As we are continuing to expand, we get a lot of comments and requests from other states. And so um, we're seeing though, as we travel across the Texas state lines to other areas that the rural need is, there's, there's similarities in that, uh, to develop programs of study, to provide better educational supports for rural students so that they can access the degrees and the certifications to continue to drive those workforce needs in agriculture and, and other areas. Um, and this is really what we're addressing. Since 1947, the expectation for all students has not changed. Here we are in 2023, and we just expect all students to graduate with 12th grade. But the reality is if, if we're graduating students with just a high school diploma and no work-based learning experience, no industry-based certifications, uh, no college degree options, then we're really graduating dropouts because we're, we have a huge misalignment between what our comprehensive high school system is producing and what our workforce uh, needs are demanding. And in rural sectors, um, especially in Texas, that's only about 11% of the students that are graduating with something beyond a high school degree. So the, the need is big. 
And we really focus a lot on creating educational experiences here in what we call Quadrant D. And that's using real world applications, typically agriculture and nature uh, to pull into the classrooms and then to push the classrooms to outside to the community and a real high relevance of evaluation and creating creation. So high level thinking skills, because we know that here in Quadrant D, these are the opportunities that are not gonna be outsourced through artificial intelligence. And we've got to be able to create this rural workforce that's nimble and able to meet those demands. Um, this is an example. Uh, these are a couple of young ladies out of Roscoe, Texas. Um, they have worked for years with an animal embryology program of study that we have in Roscoe. Um, they've worked with an embryologist who is, is there in the district. Uh, literally, when I say in the field, I mean in the field um, with uh, mostly beef cattle reproduction and artificial insemination programs. These two young ladies um, have been heavily invested in that and they are graduating, um, well, they graduated this past year with their associate degree in science um, and um, industry certifications related to the animal science field. Um, to, and then they were able to compete at the national platform um, with NFFA and, and place third in the nation with their project uh, on beef cattle reproduction. This is a busy graphic, but it really, I'm a visual person. And so it helps me kind of center on, on what we are, are doing. And so we build these programs for all students. So it's not just a certain population um, of students that we're gonna be successful anyway. Uh, we really focus on a lot of supports for those students are earning their associate degree uh, before they graduate uh, from college. And so that I loved the, the stories that we just heard um, with the previous um, program. But in addition to the associate degree, we are using um, a PTEC designation, which in Texas gives us a district a little bit extra funding. And those students are able to earn their industry-based certification. And then probably one of the most significant pieces of our model is this problem in project-based learning. Um, and we do that through a school-wide 4-H program where all students are enrolled in 4-H starting in third grade and continuing through their senior year. And that gives access to AgriLife Extension agents, um, the research um, options through Texas A&M University, which is the land grant. Um, it gives specialized programs that students can spend time in the classroom and then outside of the classroom, uh, just learning more about the agriculture needs of their community and it's very focused on those agriculture needs of the community and so students start with um, those research projects in third grade and then they they each year they get um, a little bit more intense a little bit more individualized so that by their senior year it's an agriculture capstone project that is related to something in their community and they have researched that invested time in that and our thought behind that is that it's really given students skills in um, in the in the needed areas so that they are able to be more nimble for jobs that we're not even recognizing um, might exist in the future. A couple of our programs of study examples, you know, we do drones and we have aviation, we do farm and ranch management type programs, but these are two of our more interesting programs of study that have a lot of, of student interest. Uh, I mentioned with the young ladies with FFA, 
of animal embryology. And that's really a tri-agency alignment program. Uh, those students are able to get an associates of science in, in animal science. Um, and then their industry-based certifications are level one, level two certs for animal embryologist technician. And we're developing those with a, a business partner, Ovitra, um, which is an animal embryologist. But the whole intent of this is really to provide the skills and the needs to address the um, beef cattle reproduction, dairy reproduction, um, large industries in Texas, but also to help alleviate the uh, the needs for uh, our food uh, with, with our, our population and our society. And then one of our big initiatives that we're working on, again, with A&M, Texas A&M, um, as the land grant, and most land grants have some similar type program, but we're really wanting to capitalize on this uh, for our rural districts as a One Health initiative. So that's animal health and human health, a huge rural need, uh, but then also environmental health. And so um, by partnering with A&M, we're able to get... Um, uh, clinicians, students that are in the AM education program who will come out to the rural communities and provide internship opportunities, mentorships, um, so that the students that are in the high school have access to that. And then two years after high school, as they continue to work through their degree plans, have access to clinical experiences that might not be available to all uh, rural communities. Um, and so that's a, a, a huge initiative. Cool as we're um, supporting that across the state. But basically we're wanting to design programs where we have students that are college ready through associate degrees and then giving them a, a firm launch for their bachelor's industry ready because they have industry certifications and then really life ready because of that piece of, of agriculture mm. uh, based research that are in the community. So they have those um, soft skills that that we know that businesses are asking for. Awesome. Thank you, Rachel. I love that one health framing. That's so important and um, just really great overview of everything you're working on. So um, John Gordon Jr., you are coming up next. So John, you are with Boys Grow. Um, do you wanna give a little overview of what you do? Yeah, you bet. Uh, you guys just get me today. I don't have any slick presentations. So uh, just got my face and my voice and that's about it. But, so but my name is John Gordon Jr. But I am on the farm, correct? So that's yeah. why I'm on the phone and the computer because the <laughs> Wi-Fi is bad. So um, yeah, my name is John Gordon Jr. I run a youth program here in Kansas City, Missouri called Boys Grow. And uh, we teach entrepreneurship through agriculture to urban youth. So we do that in a couple different ways. But um just a quick history of the program. Uh, it kind of started from a youth youth services direction. Uh, I worked in the juvenile court system in, in Northern California and uh, had a kid that was shipped off to a small kind of farmstead and saw some dramatic impact in his life. And uh, I relocated, relocated back to Kansas City, which was originally where I was from, and started Boys Grow in 2010. So me personally did not have a lot of ag background. I grew up in the city. I uh, didn't really care about ag until I moved to California, to be honest with you. So, um, and, uh, but I, I, once I got going with it, I really, really enjoyed it. So this the Boys Grow program wasn't initiated as some sort of, you know, feeder system for ag kids. It was really just ag as the vehicle to, to teach people things and make people better and be connected to the earth. So that's where it started. And uh, 2010, we got a couple of land, uh, acres donated. And then in 2014, we purchased land in South Kansas City. 
So we got 10 acres and the kind of the, the guts of the program is we serve 50 kids a year. It's a, it's a two-year program. So we have two classes of 25 kids. There's a mentorship component that's kind of baked into it. And then and the young men apply for the, apply for the job and they do get paid. It's a paid internship. And when they apply, they kind of sign up for one of three teams, which is agriculture, culinary arts, or construction. And then uh, each of those teams are led by uh, led by professionals that work for us in the field. And then pretty much together um, as a as a family, as a team, the organization, the, the young men really steer the program. So um, they do every aspect of the nonprofit from public speaking to marketing to, you know, everything and what it means to actually be a part of a, uh, an organization. They create every class creates some sort of class product. Um, so for the first six years we had uh, we had actually I got one right here. We had a uh, catch up with agave ketchup one year. So the culinary boys actually developed the recipe. The marketing team comes up with the labels and the sales team kind of takes it from there. So um, this past year we did a, um, a, a reusable grocery bag. So the boys mm -hmm. come together kind of in real time and learn what it's like to develop a product and uh, go through the whole process of getting that to market. And then the other way we do entrepreneurism, the third way is through the actual produce that we sell. Um, so we grow food on about six acres. Uh, we got 10 acres total. We got about five or six acres of production. And uh, we sell back to local restaurants and grocery stores, uh, do a lot of pickling and canning. canning and, uh, you know, they they get to know what it means to, uh, you know, to can something, which is not an easy process. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so um, yeah, so that's kind of the, the, the quick pitch of the actual program. Um, it's interesting, this, this, the Zoom that we're on right now um, is, is in the past year, we kind of, we put some efforts into expand what our program does and what we do. So Boys Grow is an organization, like I said, it's been around for about uh, 12, 13 years. And um, so the, the, the X's and O's of what we do, it's not, you know, it's not completely dialed in. We change it every year, but it's been going right. for a little bit. And the the demographics we work with are ages 14 to 17 and so they're in high school during this during the uh, um, during this outside of the summer program so primarily it is a summer program they come out a couple times in the month of the school year so we had we have um, amenities now from you know event spaces and staff so we started expanding our walls so we developed a program called max skills which is just mechanics agriculture and culinary so we work with two different school systems right now and they just bring small cohorts out and um, and they we kind of we teach the classes and then the, the young folks get the opportunity to do some real world kind of applied learning and then they get credit back um, in their in their school systems. So we started that last year. It's been it's been uh, it's been really good. We've seen some usually work with alternative school systems and we've seen some uh, very uh, some very good personal growth with the young people that have come out here hmm. to kind of take an ownership in something and having having almost a sense of identity kind of beyond the classroom or maybe some of these kids might be struggling with that in general so we they come out here and we kind of wrap our arms around them um and then give them give them structure give them a little bit of discipline and give them the opportunity to kind of thrive in, in a new environment so we started that last year and then just um just this week actually we're developing um uh, a newer project which would be more of a more of a where we take we take the show on the road so we would implement the boys grow concept within a we're starting hopefully with one charter school here in kansas city and then we would actually implement instructors and develop some infrastructure on sites 
where the kids would actually integrate that into their biology class and then um, and then be able to come out to our farm, which is only about 20 minutes from downtown Kansas City. And then cool. um, and then they would be able to come out to the farm and then do kind of hands on applied learning. And the goal, too, is, you know, we see a lot of success uh, with some of our youth around. Um, we really stress soft skills a lot within agriculture. So, you know, patience and teamwork and integrity and conflict resolution. So we want to, we're going to build out more of a curriculum-based uh, structure that we can actually um, implement into the, um, into the school systems. Sounds like there's a lot of resources on the Zoom call for that. Yeah, there are. Um, there's, so this, I love this panel. What a diverse view of how to use agriculture toward for pathways. I think that there's so much to glean from each of you. Um, you mentioned briefly, there was the like a kind of mentorship component sort of when they're hands on in the field. Have you seen those relationships continue to kind of blossom like after the students are sort of done with their summer project? Yeah, yeah, like I mentioned, I kind of approach this from a youth development perspective. I was with right. uh, <clears throat> big brothers, big sisters for a while. And um, but what I've learned, especially working with uh, teenage youth and teenage boys in particular, is you have to do something. You can't just sit across from a coffee table and spill out your emotions and everything so uh so the relationships we have out here are built out through a two-year time frame when someone's a teenager that's a long time so it's when it's 100 degrees and you're working in the fields together uh, you tend to have a bonding opportunity so yeah the professional mentorship is uh is and the personal has gone beyond on the walls and just recently we launched a, a graduate portal so we've taken all the graduates and tried to do an in-house portal system for them to professionally and personally network with each other that's so great. I am really grateful for getting to know more about the program. Um, I think, yeah, if anybody has any questions for John, uh, John will be hanging out as well. So um, feel free to keep those coming in the chat. Um, Ian Kitajima, I believe, is here as well. Um, let me make sure that Ian is still here. Yes. Hi. Hey, Ian. Hi, I'm here. Great Hi. to see you. Good. Sorry for uh, great to see you. Uh, um, I have some slides if I can. Yeah, if you can share your share screen a little bit, and maybe people want to see some. Yeah, hold on a second here. <clears throat> great. And um, Ian is going to be while well, you're getting that pulled up, Ian. Um, just uh, Josh Rapoon, friend of the show, uh, in the chat as well. Uh, introduced us to Ian, and Ian's just doing some really cool stuff at the intersection of culture, coding, and agriculture. Um, so we thought this was a really great opportunity. Oh, Kat has entered the frame. I love it. Um, all right, Ian, do you you ready to go? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So thank you, everybody. Um, hi, everyone. I'm Ian Kitajima here in Honolulu, Hawaii. Um, just a little bit of background. So I, um, the majority of my career, 30 years has been in technology development. Um, so I really come from the industry side and more recently I just uh, was at probably the premier research and development company here in Hawaii doing all kinds of advanced research, artificial intelligence. And then I just recently retired from that company, but, but part of, um, <clears throat> But while I was there, there were multiple things we did that led to this point where trying to uh, <clears throat> create a movement here in Hawaii around agriculture. Um, most of us here in Hawaii immigrated, our grandparents and folks immigrated from different parts of the world to 
help on the plantations. And so agriculture is something that um, is still very important here in Hawaii. And I think, but it's always been a big struggle uh, to continue to do agriculture in Hawaii. <clears throat> so as kind of the next thing we're trying to focus on is how do we create a movement around agriculture and technology? How do we bring things together? And so um, as part of my work, I've been inspired by multiple things, design thinking, computer science. Um, and so as a private, being on the outside of education, we're able to kind of push those things along over the last decade or so. So about five years ago, we kind of started the computer science movement here in Hawaii. So, so by next school year, every elementary, middle and high school <clears throat> will be offering a computer science class in the state of Hawaii, over 250 uh, public schools here in Hawaii. But, but based on that, it was like, okay, how do we take the design thinking with the things we've been doing over the years? We've trained thousands of teachers. How do we take advantage of the computer science things that are happening? And then for and then focusing it on agriculture. So, so we started pulling these things together and and started giving this idea of how do we give voice to the Aina means land uh, or 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 Aina is kind of like the the landscape. It's the land. It's it's the nature here in Hawaii. That's what we call it. And so, so part of it was to just start doing something. And and so what I'm gonna try and see if I can. Ripley go through this pretty quick. So, so this is a little quote from uh, First Lady. Um, and again, it's it's kind of uh, integrated STEM, right? It's like, how do we do hands-on STEM that's integrated, that brings multiple things together, um, <clears throat> really to prepare students um, for careers of the future. And so, oops, sorry. I'm going to you know what I'm going to do here is I'm going to so so part of the things we're trying to do is think about things in the long term so here if we're planning for a year we say you know plant kala which is taro which is a food kind of a sacred it's a sacred food of the Hawaiians here but if you plan for 10 years plant koa which is a native uh, tree and of course if you plan for 100 years it's really to educate to teach uh, the, the educate and teach the children in this case to Aloha Aina, to basically to love the land. And so as we go along, right, we're, we're trying to bring this mindset to education here in Hawaii's the best and really to invent the future. Instead of trying to wait for the future, which tends to surprise us all the time, how do we actually take on the mindset of actually inventing the future? So, so our way to work here in Hawaii is we work primarily through educators and teachers. So we teach them everything we know from industry and whatever we can do so that they can bring it to our students. Um, that's typically kind of the model. I'm going to kind of skip some of these things. But so I've been working in Korea for about 10 years. And so it's quite interesting to see um, the culture they experience it. It's kind of like walking into the future and seeing what is happening there. And Korea, for example, when it comes to agriculture, has extreme weather conditions. So they cannot grow food in, a, in more traditional ways. They have to use technology because they have bitterly cold winters and very hot summers. There's about a, there could be a 140 degree difference between the coldest day and the hottest day in Korea. So they have to figure out different ways to uh, grow food, which is really fascinating. And so years ago when I first was 
was going, I started seeing these, of course, uh, what you see very common now, but these containerized growing systems. And, and that was really my first experience of growing food was these really high-tech methods. And of course, coming home to Hawaii and seeing how we grow, which is fantastic, but I think what, what's our challenge here in Hawaii is we have beautiful weather, which also means we have lots of bugs. And so, uh, so what really kind of reduces the yields in our growing here in Hawaii is we have small farms, but we have um, lots and lots of bugs that pretty much eat up everything we grow. Um, and so, um, so what we're trying to do is expose, so what I've been doing is taking educators from Hawaii to Korea uh, to see what is going on there. So we just did our third trip. We're going to go on our fourth trip in November. We're taking about 20 educators, including a couple of senior, basically very powerful legislators, as well as the superintendent of, of our school system, a board of education member, as well about 20 educational leaders uh, from Hawaii, principals, complex area superintendents, vice principals. And in all the projects that we do, um, hopefully this will come up, we try and always look at these four different elements. We always try and combine not just the educational element, which of course we're working in education, but we're always looking at how do we bring in a business element, some real world challenge or problem that the students can work on as well as what is that technology or innovation that's coming over the horizon that we can expose students to, teach them how to use it to apply to a real world challenge. At the same time, we're thinking about how is that impacting the community and the culture that we have in Hawaii. So how do we bring these four elements? I call it the four elements, but they're like hydrogen molecules. They don't want to come together. They actually kind of sometimes work against each other. So part of it is how do we bring these four elements together? And on the outer side, you see these things like, you know, you know, artificial. So we do a lot of work on artificial intelligence around renewable energy, of course, computer science and coding, entrepreneurship, design thinking. But again, we're always, when we look at the projects or movements we're trying to create, it's really around how do we bring these four elements together? And when we do, there's magic that happens. And, and actually how that happens, actually, people ask, oh, how do you bring those four elements together? I tell you, it's because it actually happens because of people. So in each of these elements, we must find a very special person who maybe is from the technology sector, but understands the value and sees the value of those three other bubbles, right? And so same thing with educators. We need to find educators that also appreciate the importance of culture and community, technology, and as well as business. So anyway, so, so <clears throat> I'll just do a couple more slides and then I'll stop. But, you know, so, so part of it is to, what we do is in order to create this kind of ag tech movement in our public education system, which then will drive actually industry change. I'm not gonna be able to take our, our agriculture industry and make them a high tech industry. I'm literally starting with elementary school kids by teaching them how to program a desktop farm. Like literally the guys in Korea made a little, like a little mini desktop farm simulator. You can't grow anything in it, but it teaches kids computer science. So we literally are starting with like elementary school kids, teaching them computer science by programming a farm. Now we have a classroom farm where you can actually grow things, but in order to grow anything in it, you still have to program it, like a series of sensors and motors and pumps and all of this stuff, right? And so, 
So part of it is, again, we, we're taking these trips um, and the next one is coming up in, in uh, November. But so we take all these educators um, and we go by complex areas. Our school system here is centralized, but then they come in complex areas. So a complex may have 25 schools. So we'll take an entire complex. Um, and in this case, the last trip we did, we took the entire island of uh, the leadership from the Hawaii island, from one of our islands to Korea. Because in all of this, we want them to think about what will you do when you go back to your school? Otherwise, this is like, this is a really great Korea trip, but it's not about that. It's about seeing the future. And then what can we learn from that and help apply uh, with our students? So that's why it's important that complexes, entire school complexes in our case, go together. So they see that and then they're actually strategizing like, hey, if you're in the elementary schools, what are you guys going to do? versus what are we gonna do in the middle schools? What are we doing in the high schools? And at the same time, incorporating all the things they have to do as well. It's not just about, oh, we're gonna just do ag tech, but it's like, how do you do biology and English, you know, mathematics and all this other stuff to do as part of the, the education. So this becomes like applied STEM, but with a purpose to create an agriculture sector in Hawaii uh, and new worker and a whole new career sector for Hawaii. So this is like a system kind of approach to it. It's kind of a crazy idea, but that's kind of what we're trying to do. Uh, that's super cool. I think we could talk about this forever um, with all these different pathways, but unfortunately we are at time. Once again, thank you so much to the, everybody who came and spoke. Thanks for tuning into the Getting Smart podcast today. We want this podcast to be actionable, insightful, and a great way to learn about what's next in learning. In order to stay on the cutting edge, we need people in the field to tell us what they're hearing, what they're wanting, and what they're needing to learn more about. Got a topic or a guest in mind? Send your recommendations to me, Mason at gettingsmart.com. And if you like what you're hearing, don't forget to leave a review in Apple Podcasts or subscribe wherever you listen. Feel free to share the podcast on social media using the hashtag GSPodcasts. Thanks so much. 